You're listening to audio from The House, located in Kelowna, B.C. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit us at thehouseonline.ca. Uh, our Living in the Spirit series is really based on the book of Ephesians, and we want to walk through some of the passages in Ephesians and look at some of these bigger themes of making more room for the Spirit's activity in our lives. The, the main emphasis of the, of the series is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to participate in the building of God's kingdom uh, here on earth as it is in heaven. And there is an open invitation for you and I to participate in this and to walk in this. This is part of what it means to live in the Spirit. And so we want to look at Ephesians chapter 1, still in the very beginning of Ephesians this week. In verse 15, in the, it's, I'm using the NIV tonight, and uh, this is what it says. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. This is Paul's letter to the, the Christian believers in Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. And at the very beginning, he says, look, I want you to have an increased awareness of the Spirit's activity around your life. And this is the invitation that we have as believers. It's this idea that there's a spiritual understanding that surpasses, it's deeper, it's, it's a different level than just what we see in the natural and on the surface. 1 Corinthians 12 describes some of the spiritual gifts. Some of those gifts are words of wisdom and knowledge and understanding and discernment. This is about the ability to see and interpret and understand things at a deeper level than just what we see. And as we look at this, we want to take a look at some of the key things that help us in this. And when Paul says, I want you to have spiritual wisdom and understanding, how do we experience this? What does that mean? What does that look like? And how do we experience them? And so uh, the first is this truth that the prophetic gifts are for all believers. And we, um, somebody believes that. Okay, that's good. <laughs> we could do a wave maybe across the, the prophetic gifts are for all believers. In Acts chapter 2 is this experience and we see the outpouring of God's Spirit on the early church. Now remember, up until this time, Jesus has been there with the disciples, with his followers. He's been teaching them, encouraging them, and, and uh, working with them. And then uh, Jesus ascends to heaven and he says, the Holy Spirit will come and be upon you. And in Acts chapter 2, they're together and they're praying and they experience the infant of the Spirit. And what happens is it's very clear in the Scriptures that the Spirit of God comes upon male and female, young and old, every socioeconomic class, every ethnic background, every minority group. The churches gather together in equality as God's people, and everyone receives the Spirit. This is different than the Old Testament kind of old covenant model where there's a hierarchy of a priesthood. 
and they're the ones that experience and they're, they're the ones that hear from God and they kind of disperse it to the people. In the, in the new covenant, in the new testament understanding of Jesus as God coming, setting us free, us walking with him, walking in forgiveness, walking as his believers, there is an invitation for each one of us, every single person, to participate as the royal priesthood, as the priesthood of all believers. This is the invitation that we have. This is what it means to walk and live in the spirit. Have you ever had an intuition? A gut level feeling about someone? A gut level feeling about something? Maybe you've been in a situation when on the surface it's like stressful and you don't know how you're going to get out and it's, maybe it's bad news and you're trying to figure it out and, and yet inside of your heart there's a deep sense of God's peace and a, and a strong sense that he's with you and things are going to be okay. This is part of what it means to have spiritual wisdom and revelation. When we're able to look into something at a deeper level and understand God's heart and God's leading for the situation. Prophetic leadings, and we say prophetic, it's, we're saying of the Spirit, led of the Spirit, guided of the Spirit. Prophetic leadings are among the most common ways we experience the activity of the Spirit in our lives. And it might look like someone coming to your mind. You know, sometimes we, we think about the, the gifts of the prophetic as being someone in church that stands up at the front and says, uh, thus saith the Lord, my people, my people. And that kind, of a, that kind of a word. Well, prophetic ministry and prophetic word, there are things that come to you about guidance. Do you know it's just as valid for you to be here and see somebody in the coffee shop that looks like they're there for the first time, looks a little bit lost, looks a little bit alone, and for you to go over and say hi and talk to them and ask them to come and sit down with you. That is as much functioning in the prophetic and being led by God's Spirit to make a difference in someone's life. And sometimes it might even look like someone coming to your mind. Perhaps you're moved with a sense of empathy and connection for them. This is a Spirit giving you a glimpse of God's heart for someone. You may feel like praying for them, maybe even calling them or texting them. The desire to check in and see how they're doing. The desire to let them know they're seen, they're not forgotten. The desire to encourage them is often a signal of the Spirit's leading. And there are so many different ways, so many little ways, the Spirit speaks to us throughout our day. And the more we step into these promptings, the more we sharpen our prophetic eyes and ears. This is why the gift of the prophetic working in our lives is not saved for an hour or two hours on a Sunday night. The gift of God speaking to us prophetically is not reserved just for the prayer team people who pray for you on a Sunday night. It is God's spirit speaking, leading, guiding you throughout the week. What would it look like for you to respond to those promptings? What would it look like for you to take them from the level where their thoughts and you're kind of rumbling them around and rolling them around in your, in your head and actually begin to step into them? We've been doing the devotional book and the journal and uh, we've been talking as a team and what that looks like and what does it mean to be led by God's spirit and live in the spirit? And um, Yos, who's our, our worship director, works with us throughout the week. He's part of our Sunday morning team. Uh, they lead a uh, 
practice here on Thursday night for the band, for the worship team. And our, our worship leaders, they're just like you. They're busy. They're, they've got lives. They've got, they work. They're in school. Uh, they're, you know, in love. They're busy. And, um, well, some of them are in love. And, and they come in here on a Thursday night. And before the practice starts, they take a moment, they just stand in a circle right on the stage, right up here, and they just kind of share with one another, how's the week going, spend some time in prayer before they get into their practice. And it's because they want to just kind of calm their hearts, quiet themselves, focus, center themselves, and then kind of step into practice and, and uh, allow the Spirit of God to lead them. Well, as a couple weeks ago, Yos is leading the prayer time, and all of a sudden, as they're standing in a circle, he gets this sharp shooting pain in his neck. Like, incredible, like, he's like, what is that about? Hadn't wiped out on the ice, he didn't hurt himself, he's like, totally fine, and all of a sudden he gets this shooting pain. And so, as he's there, he's like, what is going on? He says, I wonder if the the Spirit is trying to say something. And so he says, is there someone here? Now remember, this isn't, this isn't like 200 people at church where the guy at front says, I think there might be someone here with back pain. Okay, that's, you know, chances are there's somebody here with back pain, okay? I don't know how prophetic that always is. But when you're eight people at the worship team, it takes a little bit more faith, a little bit more risk. He says, is there somebody here with neck pain? And one of the team goes, oh my goodness, how did you know that I just came from physio? I've been struggling so bad. My neck is so messed up. I'm, I'm getting massage, I'm getting Cairo, I'm getting all kinds of stuff. I, I almost didn't come tonight. I almost, I just, I didn't even want to come here tonight because I didn't even know if I could play. So how did you know? Yo says, well, I think the Spirit told me. And they took some time and prayed with her and ministered to her. And, and God did a work in her life and in her heart. And she knew that she wasn't forgotten and overlooked. And, and she played totally fine that night and played on Sunday. And, and it was great. And part of living in the Spirit is listening to his whispers and then stepping into those things. Another is that discernment to understand the spiritual gift of discernment from the Spirit to help us understand. We live in a world of 50 shades of gray. And I don't mean the cheesy movies that none of you have ever seen, I know. We live in a world where like the, the, the lines are blurry between kind of right and wrong, good and bad, complex problems and issues. It's more difficult than ever before to have a clear sense of what is good and wise and helpful versus what is evil, harmful, and not appropriate. Our world is changing at an unprecedented pace. The ideologies of progressive liberalism, and if you're in university, you're on the front lines of this. They are rewriting our social narrative so fast we haven't lived long enough to understand what their impact on our world, their impact on our kids is going to be. I'm routinely asked, what's our church's position? Or what do I as the pastor personally believe about some issue that wasn't even an issue five years ago? The world that we're living in, if you're in university, that young adult age, I look at my kids, I have, I have three teenage daughters, 
the hardest thing to do in the world is to be their dad. And I look at them and the life that they're growing up, the world they're growing up in, the digital age, the things they're exposed to, despite all of our best efforts, the things that kind of creep into their lives and their hearts, and their generation, your generation, the things that you're exposed to, the things that, that you've seen, the things that have become normalized, the way things have been rewritten and twisted around. We need the discernment of the Spirit as a young adult to say, Jesus, would you give me discernment? What does it mean to follow you? What does it look like to follow you? How do I form my convictions? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. There's the gift of discernment to be able to determine, to decipher between good and evil, right and wrong, to understand the heart behind something. We need the Spirit's discernment to navigate the shifting sands of our culture. A third is to learn to see the eyes of the heart. Learn to see with the eyes of your heart. Paul says he wants believers to be enlightened in the eyes of their heart, to understand, to know God better, to know God and who he is and how he leads them in a more clear way. On the surface, this may seem like bad advice, like Paul is encouraging us to disregard sound judgment and critical thinking and instead blindly follow our glib emotions. Just kind of go with what's in your heart, dude. Well, the Greek word for heart is cardia. And when this word is used in Scripture, it speaks of something much deeper than our impulses and our emotions. The Jews understood this to be as the heart being the soul, the spiritual center of our lives. What is that? That's the place you process your experiences. It's the place you form your convictions. Our heart is the essence of our unique self. It's your inner voice of processing. It's the voice of Jesus in your life. It's where you meet and connect with Jesus. That's your heart. That's your spirit. Jesus wants us to be led with the eyes of our heart. You see, God's word doesn't always speak directly to every issue. We know that. There's lots of times we're facing a situation or making a decision, and God's word doesn't specifically address that one thing. You know, you can't just kind of flip open the Bible and point to a verse, and it's going to speak directly to the very moment you're in. It gives us principles to understand and know who Jesus is and Jesus leads us and guides us. That's how we begin to know the will of God because we're transformed because we become more like Jesus. And logical thinking doesn't always provide us with a clear answer. Have you ever thought about a, maybe there's a stressful moment or decision in your life and you're thinking about it, you make pros and cons lists and you meditate on it and you go back and forth and you talk to people. Maybe you do that for a whole week. It's all you think about. And you come out at the end of the week and you're no closer to making a decision or having understanding and clarity than you were when you started. There are times in our lives 
that we need the eyes of our heart and a little measure of faith to find our way forward. The eyes of the heart, are it's that moment, it's that dynamic moment of the Spirit leading us. In that moment you're in to know where to go, what to do, how to move forward. Some describe it as listening to our gut, and there's lots of different ways to look at that. But this is a biblical way of the Lord speaking to us out of our spirit, out of the essence of who we are, our spiritual center. I've learned to make a lot of decisions this way. There's a lot of times I have to make a decision about the church and about ministry and following God and about being a parent and being a dad and and all these things. And sometimes I don't know. I have to trust what the Lord has put in my heart and lean into that. And you know, there's always a level of risk. There's always a level of uncertainty because the very nature of seeing with the eyes of the heart is seen at a deeper level than what's on the surface. And when we look at something just on the surface, sometimes we think, is this the safe way? Is this the guaranteed way? And we take all the risk out of it. But when the Lord leads us, there's risk. There's faith. There's a measure of faith. And you know, every single decision that I have made where it has led to something greater, where the Lord has led me, where the Lord's faithfulness has shown up, where the Lord's promises came through, there has been a level of risk, a level of faith. And we have to embrace those things. See with the eyes of our heart. About eight years ago, Ed felt led to get his PhD in counseling. You will know and love Ed as one of our our leadership team here speaks. Ed will be speaking next Sunday. Uh, We love Ed as a part of our team. He's been a part of our church and our ministry from the very beginning. And Ed has a background in counseling. And about eight years ago, he felt like he should get his PhD. I remember when he told me about it. And, you know, he didn't really know why. He just knew that it was something he needed to do. He was stirred in his heart to do it. And when you're a, a, a pastor, a minister, uh, we don't get paid more because we have different letters behind our name. Um, it's not glorious work. I was mopping the church this morning and the crowds. I was shoveling snow and, sh- you know, kind of spreading salt this morning when we came in. Uh, when you're in ministry, you kind of just do what you do. There's, we don't have the same kind of rewards that some other careers do when it comes to pursuing education and furthering those kinds of things. And so there's a lot of, like, why would you go to all that work? Why would he put all that expense out and all those, why would he do all that? And there's no real clear reason except that he felt stirred in his heart to do it. And so he worked hard at it. And when he finished... A door opened up to provide some counseling services at Third Space, which was just in their earlier years, in their earlier uh, start. And again, Ed felt in his heart it was the right thing to do, and so he went there and began seeing clients a day a week and two days a week. And one day, he met with the president of the UBCO Student Union, came to see him. And the encounter proved to be so positive and such a help to him. At the end, he said, would it be okay if I brought more students to see you? 
Because he said, I, I got some friends and they're struggling and they need some counseling and there's just not enough counselors at the university. And Ed kind of said, yeah, sure, he felt in his heart. Yeah, why not? What, let, let's... And, and he soon discovered that there's a mental health care crisis at the university. There's not enough help. And so one student shows up and then another, and then another, and then another. And he walks that out for a semester. He walks that out for a school year. And they get into the next year and the university says, hey, do you think it would be okay if you could come to the campus one or two mornings a week, just so that you're a little bit more accessible to some of the students who can't get to see you downtown. And I thought, well, sure. Felt like the right thing to do, and he stepped into it. He got just a little office, like a shared office that was everything from uh, all the different community groups and the different clubs, and, the, and it really was nothing more than just a, a desk and a couple of chairs, and he could go in and shut the door and have a private meeting. And so Charlene, who was a part of our leadership team, she had just finished getting her master's in counseling. And between Ed and Charlene, they went out a couple days a week and began to see some students, and things went so well, things went so great, they were making such an impact that it was maybe a year or a year and a half later and the, the school, the university, comes to Ed and says, do you think if we got you your own office, your own space, that you could be here throughout the week and you could help us? Now, I can tell you that being a pastor and a minister, that we don't get invitations to the university ever. And so this is quite a great story that is beginning to unfold. And Ed kind of just says, okay, sure. <laughs> and so they get an office and they begin to see students more and more and more until the workload is so great they can't take on anymore, they need some help. And Ed realizes that there are some faculty of social work, faculty of like, students that are learning to become counselors and therapists and, and working with people and helping them. And, and he thinks, maybe we could have some of them work with us, work alongside of us to kind of spread out the load. And so he talks to the university and things go back and forth and they need practical hours, right, to get their practicums. It's like an apprenticeship and um, seems like a great idea, but they need somebody to actually supervise them. It has to be done with certification. You have to be able to sign off on it. And nobody on the faculty at UBC has the time or the interest really to be able to take on a bunch of interns and supervise them throughout the week. It takes a lot of work. And so Ed says, well, I have my PhD. Do you think I could do it? I said, yeah. And so this last year in September, Ed is supervising seven apprentices. And they are open seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., providing free mental health care counseling to the university. Don't you think that's an amazing story? Yes. 
And there's been great stories coming out of it. Collectively, they'll see hundreds of students this year. They'll provide close to 2,000 hours of free counseling. Some of the interns over the, the past few years have opened their heart up to Jesus. And in a really great, unique, special way, Ed is able to bring the love and presence of Jesus to the university. The president of UBC is Santa Ono. He's one of the most influential leaders in BC. And when Mr. Ono comes to town, everyone wants to meet with him. Politicians, business leaders, academia types, all line up, all want more access to him than he has time for. And he's in town for a few days at the end of the month. And rather than meet with the movers and shakers, Mr. Ono, the president of UBC in Vancouver, has requested to meet with Ed because he's heard about this big, friendly guy who's providing free counseling to his students and he wants to know more. Yeah, I think that's, isn't that cool? Wants to know, how do you do this? What's your plan? How did this happen? And do you know the most interesting thing is this, that Ed never had a master plan. Eight years ago, he did not have it all written down on a strategy sheet with every year, this is the goal, and I'm going to do it, and then it's going to look like that. He had none of that. All he had was in the moment to say, I think I'm feeling stirred to get my PhD. And he stepped into it. And then he saw a student. And then he saw another student. And then he went out to the campus for a couple hours a week. And all of this began to unfold. And do you know why? Because when we are led with the eyes of our heart, Jesus leads us right in the moment we're in. And he knows the plan. He knows what's going on. He's got it worked out. He's got it all figured out. He knows. He's in control. And what we do when we follow Jesus with the eyes of our heart is we just kind of put one step in front of the other and we just follow him in the moment, in the things he's put in our heart. We stay true to who he is. And he leads us into amazing things. I'm going to get the band to come and we're going to get ready to close tonight. I want to ask you, what's in your heart? Maybe you don't even know. Maybe, maybe the, the answer to that question, you're like, I, I actually have no idea, man. Well, that's where you start. You start by saying, Jesus, would you begin to give me vision? Would you begin to give me passions and understandings? You start by saying, God, put something, fill my heart. Maybe there is something in your heart. Maybe there's like kind of this rough kind of understanding. And you're like, man, I could never do that. Maybe you don't have any clarity around it. Maybe you don't have the courage to step into it. Well, that's where you start. You start by saying, Jesus, give me courage. Give me understanding. How does this work out? How do I do it? The Lord gave me a prayer for our church, a phrase, a, this sentence that is part of our series that we're going to be praying over you over the, the coming weeks. And it's this. Jesus, would you bring calm in the chaos, clarity in the confusion, 
And would you bring courage to continue? Is there room in your life for the Spirit of God to whisper on your heart? Or is it just full of chaos and busyness and activity? May Jesus bring moments of calm into your heart, into your life. Maybe there's so many different things rolling around in your mind. Maybe there's more confusion than there is understanding. May Jesus bring clarity. And maybe you're just stuck. Maybe you're just, there's an element of fear and just lostness. May you have courage. Courage to move forward. Courage to continue. Just as we're in this moment, invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe this feels totally foreign to you. It's okay. Just take a moment. Kind of open up your heart. What do you see with the eyes of your heart? Jesus to give you courage to respond. As we've been praying for this series, we thought how good would it be to be the people of God where the greatest stories of Jesus being at work, the greatest stories of the Spirit's activity are not in here for a couple hours on a Sunday night, but they're in your lives all throughout the week. If you are somewhere in your 20s, I don't know where those lines hit, our younger generations need the gift of discernment from the Spirit of God more than we have ever needed it. What does it mean to follow Jesus? To honor Him? To give our lives over to the cause of building His kingdom? prayer tonight is that you would have a fresh infilling of God's presence and spirit in your life, a fresh infilling of the prophetic gifts, the prophetic leading of God's spirit in your life where you are. That you would hear and understand the whispers of the spirit the Spirit would lead you and guide you, help you move forward. Bring calm to the chaos, clarity to the confusion, and courage to continue forward. And so tonight, as an invitation to the Holy Spirit, I want to pray over you. And this is what we're going to ask, is if you would like 
to say, Spirit of God, would you fill me in a fresh way with the prophetic leadings that come from you? I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to pray for you tonight. With everyone looking around, every eye open, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you say, Jesus, I would like to invite the Spirit of God to speak to me in a fresh way to give me direction, to help me hear the whispers of God. I've been dry, I've been thirsty, I haven't been making room, I haven't been making it a priority, but Jesus, I need you to speak to me. Let's stand, if that's your invitation tonight. And so Jesus, in this moment, we pray for a fresh work and a fresh flow of the ministry of the Spirit of God. Lord, we pray that you would visit us as your people. You would visit us as a church. We pray that you would be present in our lives. Father, may we encounter and understand and hear the whispers of the Spirit. May you speak to us. May we be filled with courage to step into them. May we have clarity in what you say. May we have calm in our life that we can create space and opportunity for you to speak into us. And we pray for a release upon our church, upon our community, to know and encounter your presence and the ministry gifts of the Spirit, the prophetic whispers of the Spirit in a new, fresh way. In Jesus' name. We're going to take a moment and worship together. Just trust that you will be able to sing these words in response to the Lord tonight as an invitation to be filled afresh with God's Spirit. Let's just worship together for a moment. Thanks for listening to audio from The House. For more information or resources, visit us at thehouseonline.ca.